What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly. Another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode eight. We in here. We doing this. I'm telling you, we packing these things out, man. I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you decided to be here with me, and I thank you. I will always thank you. I love what I do. This is my show. And it doesn't happen if you're not watching. So let me say thank you to you guys all the time. Remember, like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Give me three listens for 15 minutes. Three listens. We got eight. There's going to be eight episodes. Five, pick three. Pick any three you want. 15 minutes. I promise you, you're going to be hooked. I want to start my show today. This show is dedicated to my uncle Ronnie. Rest in peace, my uncle. This is today's his birthday. Uh, he, he left us a couple months ago. So my favorite uncle of all time. This is my this was my Superman. He was my 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 hero. And so today's episode is dedicated to Uncle Ronnie. I love you. I miss you, you're my dude. But I know that you're watching down, smiling, because uh, your nephew's doing it. Little Jess uh, is out here getting it done, man. And I, I appreciate you all again. Let's uh. I, I always tell you guys, I want to give you the, the, the love and the affirmation at the top of my show because you might not stay to the end. I'm not for everybody, and that's okay. I'm cool with that. But for those who are here, um, I, I want you guys to know, we talk about blessings, and everyone talks about, oh, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed. And we look at blessings a lot of the time as something that we receive. It's something that we receive, and it's like, oh, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed. And I'm, I want to let you guys know that there is blessings in being a giver. Being able to be blessed as a giver. I, I, at times, some of the joys that, some of the things that give me joy is being a giver. Um, I talked about it before, being in your welcome season, but sometimes being a giver, there's a blessing in that. Because in order to be able to give, in order to be able to bless someone else, you have to have an abundance. And even if you don't have an abundance, you have the ability to, to still be able to give. And so I want people to always be encouraged that giving uh, is a blessing. And don't don't miss that blessing by giving to someone else, even if you have just a little bit, because I truly believe those who give cheerfully uh, will be rewarded double time. So continue to give cheerfully, man, in whatever areas that is. That's not just monetarily. That just means in, in a lot of areas. Be a good listener. Be a good be a good support person. Be a cheerleader. Whatever that is, give that to someone else and watch it come back to you uh, tenfold. All right, let's jump into this show. And uh, Cowboys taking on the New York Giants. This Sunday night, Sunday night football, it, this game is, it's an NFC East divisional game, and, and that's, that in itself is more than intriguing. It's the Cowboys, it's the Giants, it's the NFC East, it's Sunday night football. And, and this game, I, I, I've been doing my studying, you know, because I do a bunch of other things. Uh, un, uh, unfiltered with Jesse Holly is my baby, but I do pre- and post-game shows, and I'm all over the place. But, you know, this is a matchup that is big. It's the first game of the season, but it can have late-of-the-season implications. And some of the things that the Cowboys will be lacking, they won't be a healthy football team. I know. We talked about it before. Um, this offensive line for the Cowboys, it won't be healthy. Tyler Smith, a lot of times I talked about Tyron Smith, but Tyler Smith, he will be hampered if he even plays it's come out jerry said that he's day to day they did an mri yesterday i always believe i don't take dr jerry's word as bible 
he's had his moments in the past where he said one thing. Oh, yeah, he'll be fine. Then the reports come out he's out to 68 weeks. Oh, yeah, this will be a four-week injury six months later. Um, so I don't know how much I'll take Dr. Jerry's word as Bible, but MRI revealed that Tyler Smith did have a hamstring strain. Now, what grade of the strain? That's being tight-lipped. Nobody knows what the grade is right now. But for the big boys in the trenches, anytime feet, ankles, knees, hammies, backs are, are, are impaired or not fully functioning, it's an issue, especially when you're going up against what's probably one of, if not the best defensive line in the National Football League. I think a report came out that the NFC East has four of the top defensive lines in all of football. And the Giants and the Cowboys are in the top two or three. So however you want to take that, you take that. But they'll be without, oh, I shouldn't say that, day-to-day -day for Tyler Smith. Also, Sam Williams, their young player uh, who I, I feel has a significant impact on his defense. Not as big as Micah, but he matters. Having him in the rotation matters. I think he needs to take that next step. He's dealing with turf toe. He didn't practice today, as well as their th – one of the heads of their three-headed safety monster, um, Donovan Wilson. All those guys worked on the side with trainer Britt Brown. They're still undecided. And, and this, is the, this is the give and take game, the, the cat and mouse game that coaches play and teams play each week. You don't have to declare that player's going to play. Is he going to play? Is he going to play until 90 minutes before the game? You have to put out an injury report, and all those guys were on the injury report. Um, other news, Jordan Lewis, who was out with the foot injury, he practiced fully. But you don't have to say whether these guys are playing or not until 90 minutes before the game. But what's interesting about this matchup, and we're all going to start where it matters the most, the quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. And Dak, for the most part, he he's, he's kind of owned the NFC East in his time as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. But in that, he's also kind of owned the New York Giants. He's 10-2 in his career versus the New York Giants. And the last time the New York Giants actually defeated him was 2016, his rookie season. And so coming into this game, there's going to be a lot of talk about what is Dak Prescott? How will he, will he be able to um, recover from the turnovers that he had last year that I think ultimately, not, not solely, but played a large part in the demise of the Cowboys in the playoffs. You turn the football over, you're going to lose. You turn it over twice, you're for sure going to lose. And anything past that, it almost seals your fate automatically. And we saw that Dak Prescott had that problem. Now, some of it's offensive-related. Some of it's Dak Prescott. Some of it's lack of weapons. You have to understand, Dak Prescott last year – his weapons consisted of a healthy C.D. Lamb, who I think is going to have a fantastic year. Noah Brown, not nothing against Noah Brown, but Noah Brown. Dennis Houston, who isn't even on an active roster right now. A, a, a Michael Gallup coming off a injury. We don't know where he's going to be. Right, I think he'll kind of get back to somewhat, maybe not what he once was, but better than what he was a year ago. And some other guys. And that was the formula that they put out there as a receiver. And, and for Dak, I think a lot of times he gets in his head in the instance of, I know what I have out there. I know their limitations. I know what they can and cannot do. So you begin to press a little bit. You begin to kind of try to do things that necessarily you shouldn't do. Put, put the ball in places where it shouldn't go, hoping that your guys can make 
make those plays. And to be honest with you, at the National Football League level, everyone's good, but there's certain dudes who are just him. They're himmies. And I don't think that this team necessarily had a bunch of himmies at the receiver position last year. And that, that'll cost you. Fast forward to what they're marching into this game with now, they got a lot of himmies. I don't mean that you can say the engine hemi or just hymns. They got a lot of hymns. I'm him. They got a lot of hemis. I told you guys already how I feel about CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cook has been a walking thousand-yard receiver everywhere he's went. He's a him. I think Tony Pollard is a him. Now that you're giving him the, 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 the keys to this offense. And now they have Mike McCarthy, who I wanted to call plays at the time that he got here. And the more I dug into this game, the more I started to look at, man, this roster looks a lot like the rosters, the winning rosters that Freaky Mike, Mike McCarthy had when he was in Green Bay. A lot alike. A lot alike. I'm being having multiple receivers, uh, a tight end. And people were you know, asking about how the Cowboys are going to run the football because you heard Mike come out and say that a lot of times. We're going to run the football. We're going to run the football. And I don't think it's how you think they're going to run the football. We, we were so accustomed to Zeke being the every down back, giving it to him multiple times a game, him getting three, four, five yards at a time, and it looks like the physical kind of mix and match. But when you go back to, the, to what Mike McCarthy used to, 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 to do, you got to go all the way back to 2015. And I know that he got fired in 2018. He was out of football for a little bit. But 2015 was the last time that Mike McCarthy had a 1,000-yard running back. Not as, a, not as a whole, but one player. That was Eddie Lacy. 1,100 yards he had, 1,159 yards he had that year. After that, he had a bunch of guys that had a makeshift room. It was a bunch of guys that ran the ball. Eddie Lacy was, you know, some of it. It was some of uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams. It was some of Ty Montgomery. Remember the receiver they had back there running, uh, running the football? A lot of those guys, they didn't have, they had 400 yards. They had 500 yards. They had 700 yards. But no one was really the lead dog. I know I've been on here and other you know, platforms saying that $10.1 million for a running back, they're going to give the ball to Tony Pollard a lot. I think they're going to use a multitude of backs. I think that they're going to spread this thing around and, and have a variation of how they run the football. It won't look like it used to look in relative speaking to whether Cowboys ran the football. Well, they gave it to one guy and they pounded it with that one guy, Paul's for uh, a long time. But the new iteration of this West Coast offense, I think, for Dak Prescott, is going to do wonders. Now, playing against the New York Giants, that defensive front, you got to be ready for it. Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator for the New York Giants, he is one of these guys that likes to do these exotic pressures. He is about pressure all day long. I, I went and found an article for him Early when he first signed, he said pressure bust pipes. I don't. I want to. I want to burst the pipes of these call, these offenses, quarterbacks, their rhythm, their chemistry, their concepts. I want to create enough pressure where they can't. The quarterback can't hold the football and be able to survey the field, where receivers don't have the time to run double routes or uh, routes that have to go down the football field. Wink, Wink Martindale last year they blitzed on 50% of their snaps. They were one of the high, they were the number one blitzing team in the National Football League. They're coming after the Cowboys. You can bet your bottom dollar that. And, and they want to create it with the first with the four-man rush. Guys like Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence 
Um, Leonard Williams, horses up front, hogs up front. Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a guy who's now putting some things together. High draft pick, he was just using athleticism. Now he's kind of putting some tools in his toolbox. He ain't just showing up with a Phillips head. His DeWalt bag got a little bit of more tools in it. And I look at this matchup, it's, it's, it's what is the saying? The immovable force meets the, I don't know the saying, it's something like that. It's the, the something, the something immovable force meets the, you know, I went to public school, y'all. I went to public high school and I went to public college. So I don't get everything always right. But it's the, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object or something like that. What happens when the... Oh, don't worry about it. Y'all understand what I'm saying. Tell you, you ain't even helping me out on this thing. <laughs> but the Cowboys, what they want to do offensively, get the ball out quick. Be precise in their route running. Um, allow things to develop, play action. One thing that was other interesting in, in, in the, the way I looked at it was Aaron Rodgers, and I know there's a ton of you who were like, man, we wanted more running from Dak Prescott. Use his legs like they did at Mississippi State. Use his legs. Of course, the injury that happened a couple years ago against the Giants. And most people are like, ah, don't run on. Some people are like, use his legs. When I went and looked back at the stats, and you can all feel free to go do it yourself. Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback that throughout the, throughout the season, he always had around 350 yards or more. Just always around that 350-yard mark. And when you watch how they used to play in Green Bay under Mike McCarthy, a lot of bootlegs, um, a lot of rollouts, uh, waggles, things where the quarterback is on the move. And when things break down, Aaron Rodgers had no problem of tucking the football and running. And I think that's one of the things that Dak Prescott might have to get into a little bit more is you don't always have to be statuesque. You don't always have to stay in the pocket. That when things break down, be okay with tucking the football and getting what the profit that's in front of you. When you're doing these boots and these rollouts, don't try to throw the ball back into the defense or try to force a throw down the field. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of rollouts because I think it takes away a large portion of the field. But I think Dak now can use his legs on the perimeter. And that allows you to be another threat. Against a team like the Giants, when they begin to blitz and they send more guys than you can actually pick up, if the quarterback gets outside the pocket, there's no one there to account for him. There are a ton of yards that are able to be made by Dak Prescott using his legs a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be Lamar Jackson. No, that's not it. But as I'm studying this thing, I'm seeing that there is a there's a the ability in this offense, the Texas Coast West Coast offense, where the quarterback can gain some yards. He's not going to be a hundred yard rusher, but if he can have positive yards at the end of the day, pick up a couple of key first uh, key first downs on third downs with his ability in his legs, that's going to be key because they're not going the 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 Giants defense. Their, their philosophy is, I may not get you the first time, but we're coming. They're like Dion. They're like Prime. We coming. We are coming. Pause. They may not get you the first time. We may not get you the second time. But one of these times, we're going to get home. We're going to get to the quarterback, and their, their hope is that the sack is at a crucial point in time. The defense gets all the field. A strip sack fumble. They rush the quarterback. They hit the quarterback, and now the ball floats in the air. They have two young cornerbacks that they, they love um, right now. Um, Banks, 
the kid out of uh, out of Maryland, and I'm, I'm drawing Hawkins is the other is the other two rookies. That's something to watch. Two rookies playing in a defense that's going to have them out on the island. I don't know if I want to have. I, if I'm the Cowboys, I 100% want two rookies going up against Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb. I like my chances. I like my chances there. If I'm the Giants, I'm praying that I get home because I don't want these two rookies just hanging out there. They can make some plays, but I like my chances a whole lot. A whole lot. With C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks and company against two rookie cornerbacks. I do. With no experience, they ain't never been on the bright lights before. Might get a little tight. Moment might be a little bit too big. And you're just looking for advantages throughout the football game. This is the part where I think Kellen Moore didn't show up enough for this offense. Taking advantage of the opportunities. When you have, when you have a distinct advantage, abuse it. In this game, you should abuse it every single time. You should make it your calling card. Teams should know that if I have an advantage somewhere, I am going to abuse it until you stop it. I'm going to go at you. I'm going to run. I'm a, I'm a, whether it's running or passing, whatever it is. If if you <laughs> mouse in the house, is you if you barbecue chicken? Oh no, we got to attack that. We 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 got to we got to we got to make you. We got to make you an example for your own team and for the rest of the league. The Cowboys have to be that offensively. This team will go as this offense goes. It's always been that way. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's an offensive-driven league. You want to have, have a solid defense, and I think the Cowboys have more than a solid defense headed up by the, the, the alien Micah Parsons. But offensively, you, you have to be the catalyst of why this Cowboys football team wins. And offensively for... The New York Giants, I am not a New York Giants fan. Let me be very clear when I say that. But I am a fan of, of I've, I've always been a fan of good. What are you talking about, Jesse? I've always been a fan of people who are in position who are good at what they do, regardless of team except Mike Krzyzewski not a fan not a fan not a fan sidebar go heels but I like Brian Dayball I do I think he's one of the I think he's one of these coaches in the league who kind of gets the modern day football he understands how to the story that that really showed me that Brian Dayball was one of those coaches who can kind of he gets it. He relates. As a player, you always want your coach to be stern, to be, to be, to be in control. But I don't want to feel like I can't or you can't relate to me. And one of the stories that always kind of intrigued me about Brian Dayball, when he first took over um, the New York Giants, they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Now, like most of these other players, they always have these side hobbies. And it, some is art, some it's 
business. Summit's rapping, right? And so Kayvon Thibodeau used to send his mixtapes to Brian Dayball. Think about this. Kayvon Thibodeau, a 19, 20, 21-year-old black kid. Brian Dayball, 40-something, 50-something-year-old white male. I'm sure that, that those two aren't on the same wave rap length. I'm sure Brian Dayball ain't pulling up to the to the joint telling myself, you know, skeet. I'm sure Brian Dayball isn't. I'm sure Brian Dayball isn't downloading the latest Lil Wayne album or Drake album or Yellow Beezy or whoever. I don't know these young rappers nowadays. Jay-Z, Drake, Lil Dirk, Lil Baby, Lil Somebody. But Kayvon Thibodeau was sending his mixtapes to his coach. And Brian Dayball was actually listening to him and sending Kayvon feedback. I was like, you know what? This dude gets it. It may not be his cup of tea. I'm almost positive rap music isn't his cup of tea. I'm almost confident that 75% of that Kayvon Thibodeau might have been saying in those raps, he had no clue. But he made his star player feel like, hey, man, coach is all right. Coach, coach, <laughs> yo, he actually sent me a video of him listening to my mixtape. And he gave me feedback. And what a lot of you probably don't know is how long that goes in the locker room, how well that sits in the locker room. When your players feel like you get them, when your players feel like the coach-player relationship is more of a partnership than it is boss to employee. I want to be able to feel that my coach understands who I am, not as a football player, but as a person. And I grew to like Brian Dayball from that. And I knew that he was going to be able to help transform this football team from what used to be a booty juice football team under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and Gettleman in the front office. And in year one, he took a team that had no business going to the playoffs to the playoffs. Daniel Jones, who led the league in turnovers, cut it in half. More than half. And you see him rebuilding the structure of this football team. It's honorable, it's admirable, and it's going to make for an exciting football game. You're going to match wits versus wits. Brian Dayball, who I think is really good offensively. Mike McCarthy, who I think is really good offensively. They're going to lean heavily on Saquon Barkley. They got the young rookie and Jalen Hyatt, who's a burner. By the way, that worries me because I saw, I saw Stephon Gilmore in practice. Stephon Gilmore can't run with these young boys. He can't. If he plays anything in front of him, he's good. Mentally, he's good. Concepts, good. Reading routes, good. If he got to open up and run, Hold your head. We know, we know what Trayvon Diggs is, but we also know that he'll bite on the route every now and again. He'll cheat. He'll get a little greedy. And so they're looking 
For that, and then the X factor that we don't really talk about a lot, but it's going to be something that's hard to worry about, is Darren Waller. Darren Waller's a beast. I like the matchup. Darren Waller versus J. Ron Curse. The heart and soul of this defense, not Micah, is J. Ron Curse. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. This is going to be this is going to be strength versus strength, wit versus width, chess not checkers, freaky Mike versus Wink Martindale, Brian Dayball versus versus Dan Quinn. It's going to be it's it's this is a heavyweight bout. This is going to be a heavyweight bout. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think we're I think we're getting ready to see what this NFC East is going to be. It's going to be a war of attrition. With these defensive fronts, it's going to be the last quarterback standing at the end of the year to determine who is who. This is you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better Sunday night football matchup. I, I like this matchup. I'll tell you later on in the week who I think is going to win. But something has to break. Dallas hasn't won a season opener on the road in 12 years. Let me repeat that. The Dallas Cowboys have not won a season opener on the road in 12 years. Told you earlier, the New York Giants has not beaten Dak since 2016. Something's going to change. Something's going to change. Either the Giants are going to beat Dak or Dak is going to, the Cowboys are going to in that road, that, that 12 year road record in opening games. The storylines are there. It's New York City. It's actually New Jersey. My hometown. Shout out to Jersey. What's up, Jersey? Roselle? Roselle's listening. 908, what's up? Union County, what's up? Roselle, what's up? But this matchup is one that's going to be... You might have an instant classic. You might have an instant classic. I'm really, really do. I'm feeling you might have an instant classic. You might have one of those games where you're like, whoa, this how we open it up the year? With with this type of banger? You're going to see the Cowboys at its best. I think you're going to see the Giants at their best. Every single year you have to be able to reset. Build on what you did last year. The good parts. And then build from the bad things that you did this year and correct them. We still want to see, and, and I, I, let me not say that. We want to see it, but I, I do think the turnover thing that Dak had last year, I do think that that was more of an anomaly than it was a normal situation. History says that he didn't turn the ball over like that. Last year was different. I think he's looking for get back. He wants to rebound from that season. And he wants a new contract as well. You make it a lot harder to get a contract and a lot harder for them to pay you if you come out the gates and you got two, three turnovers from a quarterback position. I also want to say this is, this is another sidebar for me. As a former NFL receiver, I think that NFL receivers, tight ends, running backs – if the ball hits you in the hand, the chest, the head, and, and, and is deflected and goes to be an interception, that should be a stat that's on you. 
if you drop the football, if it if it hits you in the I shoot you in the chest, I'll wet you. Remember that on Kings of Comedy? If the ball hits you in the chest, and you and you and you bumbling the ball around, and it's intercepted, that should not go on the quarterback. That should go on you. That's your fault. Bum. It's your fault. If the balls hit you in the hand, hit you in the hands, and it it goes off your hands and intercepted, that's your fault. It ain't the quarterback's fault. Why should he have to hold that intercept? That's your fault. If you run him with the ball, if the, if, the, if the quarterback throws you the ball and you run with it and you fumble it, don't go on him, it'll go on you. Same thing that should go on you. Should, interception stats should also be going on the running backs, receivers, and tight ends. You should be held accountable for your lack of concentration. If you don't want to catch the ball, go play safety or DB. Period. Go play safety or DB. But this game is going to be fun. This game is going to be fun. There's a lot of intriguing matchups. Tyron Smith, the old grizzled vet against Kayvon Thibodeau. Do I think Kayvon can overstrength him, uh, outstrength him? No. Do I think Kayvon Thibodeau is more athletic than him? Sure. We're going to see if Tyron can move. We're going to see if Tyron can move. The old grizzled vet, the old wily vet, 13 seasons. Kayvon's going into his second year, third year, second year. That inside's going to be tough, man. That inside's going to be tough. Whoever they decide to play at left guard, if it's not Tyler Smith, we'll be fine with Zach Martin. Zach Martin's going to be fine. It always has been. Tyler Biotis, you are in for a day, son. You are in for a day. A day. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Dogs. That's going to be key. Keep that pocket clean. Let Dak get the ball out. But defensively, oh, the Cowboys are coming too. Micah is, Micah has seemed to be more poised and more ready to go in year three than I've ever seen him before. He is ready. I am ready for him to be on the field. I'll unleash him. I've said this before. I'll say it a hundred times. If Micah is dropped in the coverage, if Micah is on the sideline, if Micah is anywhere except rushing the quarterback, wasted rep. He should be on attack mode 24-7. Every snap that he's on the field, he should be going forward. And if he's not, Dan Quinn, you wasted a rep. You've wasted a quality rep from him going to get the quarterback. He should be in hunting mode all day from the time the plan lands in Nork International Airport. He should be in attack mode. You, Dan Quinn, you should just start calling out blitzes. Not even blitzes. Just calling out things when Mike is going to get the quarterback. Just call him out. Stand in the line to get food. At the omelet line in the morning for breakfast. Micah should be going forward every single time. This is going to be an interesting game. I look forward to it. Sunday night football. Cowboys, Giants. That's just, oof. Man. And, and playing your division rival is always tough. I don't care the records. I don't care what the history is or, or what the past is. You play your division rival team. You play twice a year, every single year. It's going to be a tough game. This is no different. We're going to see what the Cowboys can do.
We're going to see. I'll make my predictions later on in the week of what I think the Cowboys are going to do in this game. Win, lose, or draw. You guys let me know on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, at Mr. Fourth and Long. While you're watching this, like, you know what, Jess? Let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you have any questions about the game. All right, let's go uh, around sports. My palate right, right quick. Let's go around sports, man, all over. So much sports happening. Y'all didn't think I was going to have a show and not talk about Dion. I believe. I believe. I'm an honorary, I'm an honorary Colorado Buffalo. I'm a Tar Heel through and through. I become an honorary Colorado Buffalo. They take on Nebraska this week. There, there isn't a college coach that is more polarizing right now, probably in history, in history, than what Deion Sanders is right now. I lost a bet, I gotta admit. I thought that the Colorado game would be the most viewed game over the weekend. I made the bet. It wasn't, don't worry, you don't have to check. I already checked, I already got the numbers. I was confident. And here's my problem. And if you guys, if anyone's watching this and you know me, you know Jesse Holly, you know Hollywood, you know my problem is sometimes I can be a little bit too confident about something. And I made a bet with a friend. I was like, oh, no, no, this is – I was so jacked up for that game, Colorado versus TCU. I was 11 o'clock. I'm like jacked. I don't even care. I don't have no rooting interest on either one of these teams. I'm like, this is, everyone's tweeting about it, talking about it, it's on everybody's. I was like, I bet steak dinner, where you want to go? Nick and Sam's, Bob's, um, I forgot another one, I forget. Where you want to go? He's like, I'm like, this game will be more. He's like, oh, bet more than LSU, FSU. I'm like, oh, more than LSU, FSU. He's like, but it's something like, I don't care. I don't care. This is going to be more. It's going to be close. For 11 o'clock game to get over 7 million views on a Saturday, you know all that goes on? Like, even if you want to watch college football, a lot of times men, if you're married, if you have children, if you have work, Saturday at 11 o'clock, some folks got to cut grass, clean gutters, the honey-do list. You got to take little Johnny to baseball, little Sarah to gymnastics, soccer, something. You got to paint the house that you've been saying you're going to paint forever. You never got to it. 9 a.m. on the West Coast. 9 a.m. on the West Coast. You're just getting up. Breath still stank. Seven, over 7 million views at an 11 o'clock Saturday game for TCU Colorado. I lost a bet, though. I went up against primetime, not Dion, the actual primetime. They, they played a college game on Sunday, 7 o'clock, primetime, the four-letter network. Did over 9 million. Did over 9, LSU, FSU did over 9 million views. I lost, and I have to deal with that in my own time. 
please watch, subscribe, like. I need the money. But for an 11 o'clock game to be anywhere near close with two teams that aren't historically powerhouse football teams. This ain't, this ain't, this wasn't like Ohio. This was like, this isn't like Texas, Alabama. That'll be viewed this Saturday. This isn't, this isn't, you know, old school uh, uh, Florida State versus Miami. This was TCU, Colorado. Over 7 million views. That's crazy. But I lost. But there is not a coach I don't think that is more polarizing in their short time of coachness than Dion is right now. Dion has given, not that college football needs a, a boost, but he's given it, um, you know, when you have those, like, you can have one of those muscle cars, the fast ones, but then you got, like, the NOS, right? What they call it, the NOS. And you hit the switch, fast and furious, and you. Dion gave an injection of life into college football. It, it, I told y'all, it made college football when Dion's on an event. Seven, over seven million viewers. Colorado went from unraked in one week to number 22 in the, in, the, in the coaches poll this week. Just one win. Against TCU, who was number 17 in the country at the time. He has, and it, he has done, here's what I love about Dion. Here's what I love about Dion. Dion has already said to, to, to everybody openly, and that's the biggest problem. People don't like the fact that Dion is saying what you're thinking openly. He is saying exactly what you, oh, he can't do this, he can't. And Dion is saying, I know y'all saying it. And what I love is, see, it's, it's like this in a lot of sports, baseball, basketball, football. But you have these purists who think things are supposed to go a certain way. And I've been watching college football since Bo Schembechler. And I've been watching college football since whatever, since Archie Manning and, and since uh, Archie Griffin and, 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 and whatever. And you have these periods about how things are supposed to go. And when, 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 when people kind of keep to the norm, what ends up happening is you, you, you sometimes get beat out because people have more resources than you to do the norm. Texas, Texas A&M, more money to do the norm, to recruit just like you. Alabama, they, have, they do the same thing that you do, but they have more resources to do it. So it's, it's this purest mindset of how things are supposed to go. And the moment someone comes in and kind of bucks the system and, and, and goes the opposite way, and I, I'm going to say this, and I know some of you are going to be like, it's always going to be about race. When a black person comes in, that's right, and does things outside of the norm of what the purest thinks, like in baseball now, I hate, I hate, I hate purists in baseball. You can't bat flip. Don't pip, don't pip your home run. Why not? You don't want me to hit a home run, throw strikes. If I hit a home run, I should be able to pimp 
the hell out of my home run celebration. I should be able to throw the bat to Venus. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that everyone wants to keep the game the way that their great great grandfathers watched the game. College football has changed. It looks different. It's played different. It's recruited different. It's 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 consumed different. And a lot of what's happening is these dinosaurs, whether they're coaches, ADs, they are so used to things being done a certain way that when it's done differently and done successfully, there's a problem. It's an issue. Think about this for a second. When Deion Sanders was at Jackson State and he began the interview process to go to a bigger conference, a lot of schools could have interviewed him. A lot. The school he just beat could have interviewed him. The problem is that some of the dinosaurs that are in charge look at Dion and go, hmm, it's not the norm. He's not the cookie-cutter coaches that we've been accustomed to hiring. He wears gold chains. He's wearing glasses. Got swag. It's going to have that kind of uh, on the sideline. He's not going to be the, the, the buttoned-up, coat-and-tie, conforming-to-the-old-ways coach. And so some people said, I'm good. I'm good. And that's fine. You'll be good. But you watch the game pass you by. Dion, who I said before, had every right, if he wanted to, skip the line. Had all the credentials. He is, he is either the best or one-two cornerback to ever play the game of football. Hall of Famer. Changed the game. Dion said 75% of the world is covered by water. The other 25 is covered by me. Dion said that I'm, I'm going to act for so much money they're going to have to put me on layaway. It was that bravado. It was that just that he, he, he lived it. He walked it. He talked it. He lived it. You look good. You, play, you look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You pay good. You play good. You pay good. Woo! If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And if you pay good, play good, they pay good. This is who he's been. Like what Dion is doing today is no, he is as consistent as they come. The problem is a lot of these other coaches who are your norms, they switch sides. Dabo Sweeney came out a couple years ago and said, they start playing players. I'm going to have to go ahead and call it quits. I'm going to have to go ahead and call it quits. What happened is they started paying players. You didn't call it quits, but you didn't adapt. 
And so now, which was once a dominant organization, a dominant coaching staff, you lost him to coaches. Brent Venables went to Oklahoma. I get it. But you didn't, you didn't, you became a dinosaur. You didn't evolve. So now people are catching up to you. And what you had at one point in time as an advantage, you no longer have. And with Dion, where he doesn't have the donor's bank, he has a level of celebrity and cachet that Jimbo, Dabo, Kirby, Nick, Matt Rule, Brent Venables, you name it, they could never match that. Nick Saban can't walk into a, a recruit's house and say, if you play cornerback, I can teach you the best way to do it. Now, Nick Saban's put a lot of cornerbacks and safeties and players in the National Football League, not saying that he can't. But imagine a cornerback going and sitting across from Deion Sanders. Prime time. That means something. That means a lot. Deion has done in six months, nine months, with, with coaches and programs, can't do in four years. In four years. He's changed the game. College football now is portal-based. It's how can I go? Deion Sanders was ranked the number one portal coach in university in college football. No one did it better than Deion. He's figured out a formula. I don't know if everybody can match it, but he's figured out a formula, and it's working, at least right now. Now, I don't know how many games he's going to win this year, but it's fun. They're talking about him. Folks are getting money in Colorado. I'm talking about him. You talking about him. Barbershop talking about him. At the water cooler talking about him. He is, he is the most polarizing college coach we've had in my lifetime. I'll say that. In my 40 years on this earth, in my lifetime, nobody's been more polarizing. Nobody has done it in the unconventional way, outside of the norm of what people are doing and having the sense that he's having. And it's only going to get better. They, someone pulled up the other day. They, they said, go look up. Colorado's players' profiles on the team website. And then go look up Alabama's players on the team website. You know what the difference is? This is about getting it. This is about understand. This is about understanding the kids of today. When you go to Colorado's website and you look up their players, they got their Instagram, they got their TikTok, they got their Twitter. And they got where you can pay them some money at. How they can monetize. You go to Alabama's, they got their name, their height, their weight, where they're from, what year they are. He gets it in unconventional manner. All of the practice uniforms, the practice uniforms at Colorado. You know what's on the back? Not their names. Their social media handles. 
Every kid who practices at the University of Colorado, Colorado University, whichever it is, Colorado University, their practice uniforms, the jersey, has the player's social media on it. Dion gets it. There's no socials on Bama? Not every school's like that, though. What? I mean, TCU, school, TCU has their socials, stuff like that. But you go to Dion, they got all their socials. And they got the little money sign thing where you can go and get the money. Dion is saying, listen, where I can't meet you in other places, I can meet you here. It goes back to what I was talking about with Brian Dayball. It's about understanding your players. It's knowing that you're going to come here and play a high-quality brand of football. You're going to get the attention. This reminds me of when Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and those guys at USC and everybody wanted to be a part of it in L.A. He's created an L.A. vibe, a celebrity vibe, of, um, um, uh, an event. Like He said it, this, he said it on, on his interviews this week. He said, um, I don't know who's coming to the game. But I got some of my friends coming, though. Some of you are going to like to see. People want to be a part of this now. And he said something that was really, really, really important. He said, I don't know what former players are coming to the game. But I have instructed the people in charge to treat them like royalty. Philip Lindsay's, Tyler Palumbo's of the world's. I don't know who else went to Colorado. But Dion said, I don't know what former players are coming to the game. But whoever they are, you will make them feel welcome. You will make them feel like they are a part of this. Because I just got here. They helped build this. I'm going to take it to the next level. But those players, and, and what's interesting about that, I, I have a personal story about that. When I, of course, went to the University of North Carolina, played football and basketball there. Uh, my time there was under a coach by the name of John Bunning. John Bunning was a, a former NFL coach, came to the college ranks, didn't quite work out there for him. They fired him my senior year. Next, they brought in um, Butch Davis. And I remember, it was my first year in the league, and I remember like, oh, I'm going you know, to come back to my college, homecoming, I'm going to come back to my school. This is someone who was a three-year starter, Captain, all-conference, like I wasn't a scrub. I wasn't a scrub. I was the man. I'm on billboard. They got my jerseys in the school store. I'm not a scrub. I'm a scrub now, but I wasn't a scrub then. And I remember going back, and when I, when I, I, I go back, and I, I know what time they had practice, and I go to the practice field. And I go to walk on the practice field, and I was stopped. I was stopped. They said, um, yeah, you're not on the list. And the guy who stopped me, I'm looking at him, I'm like, you know me. You know, you know who I, you got my number in your phone, I got my number in your, you know who, I'm, I, I'm Jesse Holly. I, I was one of the highest recruits that you had in a long time. Was a three-year starter here, four-year player here. I have to call where? And get on a list? I'm not media. I'm not a fan. It was years before I went back. It was years before I went back to anything Carolina football related. Because of the way that Butch Davis treated me. 
I got to get on the list. And so I love the fact that Dion's like, whoever they are, whoever they are, they, the people in charge of, of, of tickets and getting people in and suites and all that kind of stuff and, 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 and hospitality, they have been instructed to treat them like royalty. That cannot be, that, that, that's not to be, and it's not always, Colorado got a bunch of stars. They're not a bunch of guys like Alabama or Clemson when they, you know, you know who they are. But it matters to when you got guys who may be around or, or want to feel like they're part of the program. Like, yo, listen, I know that we weren't the greatest, but I kind of helped. We had some moments. And Dion, what happens is Dion's current players see how they treat his old players and go, man, that's dope. I can tell recruits when they come in, yo, this is how you get treated like this. This is where you're always going to be welcome. But Dion has created an atmosphere that's unlike any other atmosphere right now in college football. Salute to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to Dion, to his coaching staff, to his players, number 22 in the country. Around the NFL, Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year, was holding out, has been holding out all of offseason, all of training camp, wanted a new deal. Nick Bosa got broke off. If they were backing up the Brinks truck, the Brinks truck should say Nick Bosa on it. Massive deal. Massive. Made him the highest paid defensive non-quarterback. Not even defensive. The highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Five years, $170 million, $110 million guaranteed. It's 30 Excuse me, $34 million per year. Whew. Think about that, man. The highest paid non-quarterback contract in NFL history. I mean, he deserves it. He deserves it. I love this because one, I always love players getting paid. Get, get your money, young man. Get all of it. Get all of the monies. But I love this as someone who roots for the Cowboy, is a Cowboy what does this mean for Micah Parsons? Micah Parsons is next. He's on deck. He coming. <laughs> Pause. This is this is an this is this is unprecedented. The deal that Nick Bosa got, and Micah will probably like that's where the that's where the, that's where it begins. And if Micah has it happens to end up getting MVP, I'm sorry, excuse me. Well, if he gets MVP, whew. But if he becomes the defensive player of the year this year, he's been on the trail of that. Finished third his first year, defensive rookie of the year, runner-up last year. If he gets to that mark this year where he's a defensive player of the year, he then becomes eligible after his third season. So this spring, 2024, I put out on my Twitter, at Mr. Fourth and Long, I changed what Wells Fargo looked like. I scratched out the Wells part. And put Micah Fargo. It is going to be Micah Fargo, what, what he gets. But this is where the National Football League is going. This is, this is, whew. Can I borrow a couple dollars? This is, but, but this is a guy who's worth it. And, and, and to the credit of the Niners, they, they continue to play their players. I mean, they, they, they have some of the highest salaries on their team. George Kittle, third highest tight end. 
at the time, Christian McCaffrey was like the second or first highest paid running back when they gave him his deal. Um, D. Bill Samuel, I think, is the third highest paid wide receiver. This is what you're able to do when your quarterback is, is either on a rookie deal. This is what you're able to do. You're able to do deals like this when you don't have a quarterback who requires you to pay $40-plus million. So their window is closing because eventually Brock Purdy is going to want his, his deal. Now, he may not get $40, $50 million, but when you got to pay a quarterback all that money, it's tough. It's tough to make these kind of deals. But Nick Bosa, I think, is a generational talent. He's one of those guys, again, defensive player of the year. He's been the runner-up. A lot of the time, he's in the coverage in every single year. It's Aaron Donald. It's Michael Parsons. It's Nick Bosa. It's J.J. It's, it's J. J. Watt. T.J. Excuse me, T.J. Watt. Those are the names that are always in that conversation. And then it's his brother, Joey Bosa, and Miles Garrett. Like, that, like that's the name we're talking about, pass rushers and, and dominant defensive players. Those are the names that you hear year in, year out. Congrats to Nick Bosa and all the money that he'll make. Kansas City Chiefs open up this season this Thursday night. Woo! Defending Super Bowl champions. Ain't looking good right now for the Chiefs. They still got Patrick Mahomes. That's okay. But right now, their all-world defensive tackle, he wants a race. Seeing what Nick Bosa got paid today doesn't help the Chiefs at all. Chris Jones like, oh, he got paid that? And I, I need and I want in. Chris Jones is watching what is being passed around the National Football League and saying, I, I, I want to race too. Tank Lawrence said a couple years ago, they were talking about, you know, uh, when he had to get his deal. And, and, and Stephen Jones was saying, well, we only have so much money to go around and, you know, you know, you know take care of us. We got other people to play. And Tank simply said, that ain't my problem. Who else you have to pay is not my problem. That's y'all problem. That, that's, a, that's a Jones problem. I want to get my bread. Uh, my concern is not who else y'all have to pay. Y'all have to figure that out. That, that, that's, 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 that's up to you. And one thing that kind of like overcooks my grits, blows my blood a little bit, is fans of whatever team that's always crying out and screaming out, don't hold out, come to work. Take a team-friendly deal. I know it's not going to be aggressive. Shut up. Shut up. I, I, I really I don't. I, it boils my blood. Because if, you're, if, if you had the opportunity on your job to get your dollar fifty cent raise, you want it. If you feel like you've outworked your contract or you've outworked your hourly wage, or what you're doing now doesn't represent what you're getting paid, you're going to the boss and you're saying, hey, look at my production. Look at my numbers. Doesn't reflect what you pay me anymore. Look at my time here. Give me a raise. And if one of your coworkers was like, nah, Barb, come on, Barbara, Come on, Jim. Don't do that. Just let, keep letting them pay you what they pay you. You're going to tell Bob to mind her business. You're going to tell Jim, shut up. Just because you ain't on my level, don't tell me. No. So, fans, please stop. I know that's just your team. 
and you want your team to be loaded with players, but stop telling players, don't get your money. Take a team-friendly deal. Think about the team. No, because the team does not think about those players when it's time to cut them. Or they owe them money left on their contract if it's non-guaranteed. See, the team's not doing that. And y'all are the same ones when that same player who you want to take a discount, when they get to a point where they may not be producing like they was at one point in time, you say, cut them. Get the bum out of here. Don't pay him that. What side of the fence do y'all want to be on, fans? Come on. You, you want all this productivity? You want this guy to be all world, but you don't want to pay him? You, you want him to take a pay cut? Think about the team? Oh, that owner's that worth billions of dollars. It is not the player's problem or not their, not their situation where they have to strategically figure out how the other guys are going to get paid. Not Nick Bosa's concern. Not Chris Jones' concern. Not any other player's concern. Their concern is them. And if I feel like I've outperformed the amount that you're paying me, I want to raise. The same thing will apply to you at your job. And guess what? If you're working at your job and you're in your cubicle, in your office, at your desk, and all of a sudden the same job that you're doing across the street, a new company opens up doing the same thing, and they say, hey, Barb, they're only paying you $15 an hour. We're going to give you 20 Hey, Jim, they're only paying you $20 an hour. We're going to give you 26 You know what Jim and Barbara's doing? They're they, they, they packing up their hibiscus plant. They're getting their the mug. They're going to put it in the box, and they're going across the street. They out. They're going to get their bread. They'll wave to you when they see you. So stop. Stop with the chatter of when a, when a player is trying to get their money or needs their money or looking to get a raise or even get their raise. Or if they go somewhere else for more money. It's no different than what you would do. You about your bread, they about their bread. Let everybody eat. I know it's your team, but let everybody eat. Another injury update, Cooper Cup is ruled out for the game this weekend against the Seahawks. Huge blow for the, for the, uh, for the Rams. That hammy re-injured it about a month ago, still not right. Is in Minnesota trying to get uh, work with specialists. I don't know. Matthew Stafford, eventually that Super Bowl shine going to wear off, my boy. You got to figure it out. Another interesting story that I, I love that I, I saw, I'll stay in the NFL. This is another interesting story as well. This is a guy who I wanted to have be in Dallas. Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And, and, and for all intents and purposes, like Sean Payton on the surface looks like a nice guy. Sean Payton looks like a guy who's kind of like calm, cool, and just collective and not really. But Sean Payton is one of those disciples of Bill Parcells. He's a Bill Parcells disciple. See, Bill, Bill was more out in the open with his and kind of just real, just in your face. You knew what you was going to get with Bill. Bill gave off that, the tuna, the smug, the scowl. You didn't really fool around with Bill. 
Sean doesn't quite give that off. He's more laid back, looks more softer, gentler. Yeah, gentler. But at the core of Sean Payton, that's a mean dude. He's a football dude. And Sean Payton was hired to come in to be the Broncos' new head football coach. He's had some things that he said already about Nathaniel Hackett over in the Jets, and they took some, 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 some dislike to that, Aaron Rodgers and company. Well, Sean Payton's at it again. A story has come out. Uh, Seth Wickersham had a story come out. And it was an opportunity to kind of showcase a little bit of what Sean Payton is, spent time with Sean Payton this offseason. And he said one of the things that Sean Payton was brought in to do for this organization was to revamp, to recharge, to reconfigure, to reboot Mr. Unlimited. Sierra baby daddy, Sierra husband. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, when he was signed over from the Seattle Seahawks, $240 million, $45 million. It was something that's going to change the culture. And boy, did it not. Russell Wilson had historic lows last year offensively as a quarterback all across the board. Career lows. They fired their head coach. They brought in Sean Payton to come in to, to, try to, to try to help this. And we all know that Russell Wilson presents this figure. I, I don't know if it's real, it's fake. I don't know Russell personally. I don't. I know he's a good dad on the surface, what I see. I know he's a good husband on the surface, what I see. But there were talks from teammates, notable teammates who were with him in Seattle. A lot of those guys from the Legion of Boom I talked about that Russell Wilson kind of was a little bit of a fake. Kind of was like, yeah, you know, we support Russ because we are his teammates and we don't throw nobody under the bus, but he wasn't the best kind of like, he wasn't one of us. He seemed a little bit different. I guess he was unlimited. But that thing began to sour in Seattle. They had their run, two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win. He ships off to Denver, and it just didn't work out. And, and Russ comes off as this guy. like You see him in the pregame, and he's like going through pregame. He's not playing, but he's going to go through the pregame. He's doing other motions, and he's like faking a huddle, like getting down on one. And he's like, come on, stop. And one of the things that Sean Payton first did when he came in, he said, Russell, you had, Russell had his own office in the complex. He said, that's done. He said, you, you, you will watch film and meet with everybody else he meets at either in the quarterback room or in the offensive room. You having your own personal office, dead that. You're, no. You want to watch film? You'll watch it on the iPad at your house, or you'll watch it inside of the meeting room, offensive, or the quarterback room. You having your own deal, I don't give a darn who you are. Not under my watch. And so Seth Wickersham spends this time <laughs> With Sean Payton this offseason, and one of the things that Sean Payton, he, he, in his report, he talked about he didn't mince any words when it came to 
helping change the culture in Denver, starting with the quarterback, Russell Wilson. He said one of the first conversations that he had, Sean Payton had, with Russell Wilson was, is that he told Russell that to salvage your career, you need to focus less on Russ Inc. Focus less on Mr. Unlimited Inc. The brand. He said, will you stop effing, I'm saying effing, he didn't use the word effing. Will you stop effing kissing all the babies, he said. You're not running for public office. <laughs> I love it. I'm all for brand representation. I'm all for sell your brand, be your brand, work your brand. I'm all for that. But I'm also for you being a football player. Because Russell Wilson holds the livelihood in, the, in his hands, the livelihood of a lot of other players. Receivers, running back, offensive linemen. How you play will be determined how other people get paid. So I get it. Sean Payton's like, bro, all the other nonsense. I get you got your Subway commercials. I get you got your, all this other stuff. But, but, but stop trying to be this political figure. Now, I don't, I mean, do you tell a guy how to run his life? Sean Payton is a football dude. He comes from that pedigree, and he's like, in order for me to be successful, for the team to be successful, I need you to be locked in on football. And maybe that's what Russ needs. Maybe Russ got too involved in all of the Russell Inc. stuff. And that can happen. Even to the veteran guys, you get so involved, your wife is Sierra. And a lot of times the people that are coming around you understand that, hey, I'm, not, I'm a businessman. I'm not a businessman. And Russ Inc. is a businessman. But what makes that business profitable and marketable and, and want to be received from that position is winning. You win as a quarterback in the National Football League, write your check. You'll be in all the commercials. You'll be in all of everything. If you are the franchise quarterback of an organization and you're winning, write the check. And I think that's what Sean Payton is trying to get him back to and saying, listen, all that's going to come. But if we don't get this football part right, if, if we don't get this thing that where we're now contenders, where we're, talking, where we're being talked about now as Super Bowl contenders and, and division contenders and playoff contenders, if that part doesn't come together, other stuff matters none. But good luck with telling Russ that, $245 million, It's a lot of bread. He's done it his way for a while. It's worked in some places. Whether you believe it was him or the Legion of Boom or Pete Carroll, this is going to be a match of the wills. Both of these guys have won a Super Bowl their way. Their way. Sean has done it his way in New Orleans. Russell did it his way in Seattle. And they both won. So now it's going to come together and figure out how are we going to coexist together to build something that's profitable on the football field and off. Because the same thing applies. Quarterback, head coach. We win, we both write our checks. We lose, we both have to find new addresses. That's the business that we live in. The national football, professional sports in, in general, it's a performance-based league.
You win, you put numbers, they write the check. You lose, you don't put up good numbers, you find a new address. That's how it works. The good ones are good for a long time. The ones that aren't, again, they get moved around and things get looked differently. Speaking of another quarterback, who, this is, a, this is going to be, this is, that's how I tie this in. This is kind of works well. If things don't work out in Denver this year with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, Russell Wilson could be gone, could be out of there. They might give Sean Payton enough power to say, this is not going to work. This experiment is not going to work. I can't fix this dude. He's not, he's not. Let's start looking in a draft for a quarterback. Who's the first quarterback they're going to look at? USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams has come out this week as dad. I should say his dad. He hadn't said it, but his dad has come out this week. And Caleb Williams has talked about, you know, his team. I may come back to school. He may come back to school and do another year if the organization that's the number one overall pick is not an organization that he likes. If you remember this, the, 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 the Mannings did this. The Chargers had the number one overall pick at that time, I believe, number one or number two. And Eli was like, we ain't going to the Chargers. Archie said, my boy ain't going to the Chargers. If the Chargers draft him, he will not show up. We're not going to the Chargers. They ended up working things out. Eli ended up in New York, worked out for him, two Super Bowls. But here we are having this conversation with Caleb Williams. And to be honest with you, Caleb Williams is in a really good place. He's in a really good place. Because, and let me, let me, let me pull up what his daddy said. His daddy said, the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. So Carl Williams said in the recent interview to GQ. The system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst situation possible. The worst team. The worst organization in the league. Because of their desire for parity, you get the first pick. So it's a gift and a curse. So his dad is basically saying, you know, and I'm, I'm going to read in between the lines. If the Arizona Cardinals still have the number one pick towards the end of the year, do I want my son to go to Arizona? Do I want him a part of that rebuild, that, that organization that just can't seem to get right? If not, maybe I'll just have him go back to school for another year. And you're thinking, Jess, you're crazy. Why would he go to school for another year? Well, he's already a Heisman Trophy winner. He's already in the running right now as the lead, as the second, as the Heisman Trophy leading candidate this year. If he wins, he'll be only the second player in college football history to win back-to-back -back Heisman trophies since 75 when Archie, Archie Griffin, the Ohio State running back, won his. He's in a great system. 
He was with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, and he left and went to USC. Lincoln Riley came to USC, and now things are working out. Oh, but the important stat is this. I told you guys the new way that college football is being run, NIL. Name, name, image, and likeness. When you're the quarterback, like in the National Football League, like in college football, at a major Division I program, major NIL deals come with that. If Caleb Williams is true to what his daddy is saying that it is, and that if the team that he's particularly that he's potentially going to go to is the Cardinals or such, then go back to school. He said, why would you turn out all that money to go back to school? I mean, the, the dream is to go to the league. Caleb Williams going to the National Football League. Whether it's this year or next year, he's going. And he's going to be one of the first quarterbacks taken. But he ain't short on cash. He ain't short on cash in the least bit. In fact, if we were just doing base salaries, he's going to make more money than a lot of the rookies in the NFL are making this year. Now, let's just use Bryce Young, number one overall pick, Carolina Panthers quarterback. Bryce Young's contract overall, overall, is $37 million, which I believe a large majority of that, if not all of that, is guaranteed. He, he'll, he won't get all of that today. He'll get a signing bonus but Bryce Young's base salary for the 2023-2024 season is $750,000. That's not small change. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love to have $750,000. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Maybe we can get there. Y'all all watch. Probably not, but let's try. Let's try. Caleb Williams, they're projecting that Caleb Williams in this season alone, not what he done last year, in this season alone will make just under $3 million. Bryce Young, base salary this year, $750,000. Caleb Williams and his NIL deal is to projected to make around $3 million. And the difference between Bryce Young's $750,000, Bryce Young got to pay for housing, got to pay for somewhere to live, got to pay for food. <laughs> Caleb, he could be on off-campus housing. School still pays for that under scholarship. If you ever been around a, a big time college program, the training table got all the best food. I get breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. I don't really need to buy food. I gotta pay for insurance. Get that during my scholarship. So he's keeping a lot of that bread. Now you gotta pay the California tax on that money, but such is life. So, I, I, I mean, you're going to see with the introduction of this new IL, you're going to see more players do this, have this ability. 
to be able to stay in school another year, to be able to make a ton of money. And football, it works well. It's going to work even better in basketball. So many guys were one and dones. I think this evens the playing field sometimes. Those guys in basketball are saying, you know what? If I'm not really a top 10 pick, do I want to go to the G League? Have a two-way contract? Or if I'm the man at a blue bus school, do I fur go this two million I can probably make in NIL money? Merch? All that kind of stuff? And go play for a couple hundred thousand dollars in the G League in hopes to get pulled up? This is going to be a fascinating thing to follow. And it's going to be something that we watch all year long with Caleb Williams. I do believe that the Cardinals are organically tanking. I think the Kyler Murray experience may be coming to an end. They're going to try to find somehow, some way to get that traded or moved or whatever it may be. They may just eat the money and say, you know what? We screwed up. We screwed up. But Caleb Williams, a generational talent, he's, going to, he's the next. They say Caleb Williams has the Patrick Mahomes-esque type feel to him. The ability to throw the ball all over the yard in, in many different platforms. Those quarterbacks don't come every year. If you can grab one, it can change the fortune of your franchise immediately. The Chiefs five years ago wasn't this. Now they're the, they, 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 they're the hottest team in football. With the baddest man on the planet as their quarterback. If Caleb is that or anything close to that, yeah, he can change your franchise for real. Does he want to come? That's the question. And usually when, you, when, 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 when your team and your daddy, your pappy, is saying that in September, oh, that's been talked about. That's been talked around around the family table. They pass in the garlic bread, and they pass in the, the you know the, the sweet tea. They saying what we gonna do? Cause I don't want to go to the Cardinals. Denver could be a situation. I don't I don't know where they want to go, but right now it feels like the the writing's on the wall that Caleb Williams does not want to go to Arizona. It'll be something interesting to watch as it develops throughout the year. All right, man, that's it for me. That's it for us, you and I, together, this intimate conversation. I came into your home, to your bedroom. Some of you are on the toilet listening to this. I don't care. Take me wherever you want. Take me in the bedroom. Watch me before you get intimate with your lady. Watch me before you get intimate with your man. Think about me. Bring me to the dinner table. Be rude. Watch me during the family dinner time. If you're parked at your kid's soccer game, watch me. You're at practice, watch me. Wherever you're thinking about me, watch me. Go back and watch episode one through seven again. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be an intimate part of your life. Please. <laughs>
No, man. That's it for me, man. I appreciate you all for joining me. Don't forget, like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. You can follow me at Mr. Fortin Long on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, Fanatic, what is it? always getting me wrong. Fanatics View. Fanatics View. Is it S on the Fanatics? No F, no S. Fanatic View. Fanatic View. Go, like, subscribe. That's where I'm at. That's where the business is done. It's about business. I'm trying to get that Chris Jones money, that Nick Bosa money, that Micah money. I need your help. No, thank you guys, man. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their life is better than theirs because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.